A huge thank you to Neon, our favourite New Zealand streaming service, for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. Kia ora everyone and welcome to a, another wonderful episode. I always say like wonderful before we recorded the episode. I know, it's very optimistic, very confident, but yeah. I think that's a good way to start. I, I think there might be two words to describe us. Yeah, hey. Confident on a good day and optimistic on a good day. Look, we're feeling ourselves today and I think that's alright. Yeah, I think that's fine. So another wonderful episode of Culture Vulture. As always, I'm joined by Liv. Liv, how the hell are you? Oh, kia ora everyone. I am feeling good. Yeah. Yep. Feeling good. Um, Ready to lay into some Britney Spears, oh, Jamie Spears. deep in the Britney Spears, Jamie Spears. Spears. Well, you've been yeah. in the Britney and Jamie Spears. I am in that sphere. Great. And um, yeah, no, it's been an interesting ride. Whole lot of drama. Oh, we've got a huge episode in store for you all today. We're going to be obviously starting off with Naughty or Nice. There's a little bit of Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra. There's a little bit of... Very fresh Taylor Swift drama that has like just crossed the radar. Honestly, this morning we were sat there in our lounge, you know, type, type, typing away for this app, and Lucy just goes, Oh my God, I've got a new story for Naughty or Nice. You will not believe it. So I'm very excited to hear it's, it's, all about that. It's going to be good. And then, you know, a few other little Naughty or Nices, whatever. But the main event, the second half of this episode, is going to be all about. Jamie Lynn, who has, or Jamie Lynn Spears, should I say, Mm. who has entered the chat. Now, we all know about Britney Spears' conservatorship that she was released from, um, was that the end of last year? Yeah. Released from the end of last year. We actually have an episode in our Culture Vulture feed called WTF is Free Britney or the Free Britney Movement. So I would really recommend going and listening to that after this episode or halfway through or whenever you feel like you want a bit more context. We're all about context here, but we're going to really dive into what Jamie Spears has added to the story and just the whole fucked up family and the fucked up people surrounding them and how like none of this is really any of their faults, right? Yeah, I mean, it is super fucked up. Um, We will get into the detail when we talk about it, but yeah, I definitely recommend listening to at least something about the Britney conservatorship There's because we're so not going to go so, you know, we're not going to go totally into that yeah. aspect of it, but yes. Yeah, but before we get into the weeds, Olivia, what describes your week? <laughs> Saying to Lucy before, this is stupid. I mean, it's always stupid. It's always stupid. It's always pheromones. Yeah, well, because honestly, we were like, when we first started this segment, we were like, we'll take a piece of pop culture and we'll talk about how it describes our week. That's really difficult. And it's actually not happened. No, it's We've not. We've not used that once. Maybe like some songs, maybe Red Taylor's version. Yeah. That's still describing my life. And literally, I think I did Fever once and I was yeah. so proud of myself oh. for that. I thought it was like, <laughs> go off. We thought we were way more creative than we are. Oh, honestly. So this is shit. But anyway, so instead of eat, pray, love, yeah, my week was eat, drive, crash. Oh, that's not stupid. That's magical. <laughs> eat, drive, you. crash. That kind of describes both of our lives, yeah. not just your week. <laughs> Me and Liv are notorious, like, minor crashes. Minor crashes. Just a little dink here or there. But um, Please tell the story. It's actually not my fault, for the record, for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've so, actually once backed into live. Like we've we've caused so many crashes oh, just when there's only the two of us. Anyway, 
we live in like a town where we grew up in a town with no traffic whatsoever. Like it was not warranted. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, okay. So Eat Drive Crash based on Eat Pray Love in the sense of you know we've kind of got this newfound freedom. Yeah. I drove down to from. Auckland to Wellington by myself. I was feeling really good about it, you know, sort of on my road trip. So sort of I did a lot of driving in the last few days, a lot of eating. And then on my way back up, um, some guy in a huge truck, like just I was in this car park and I was sitting idle waiting for someone else to pull out in front of me before like I went off. Yeah. And he just kept backing, back, back, backing. I'm like beeping. I'm like, stop, you're about to hit my car, no. this huge truck. And then he just like fully goes into the driver's um the driver's seat door. Makes a huge dent. Yeah, there's a bit of a dent, eh? Yeah, I was so off it. I'd just been driving by myself for hours on end, ring my dad. Yeah, that's, like, that's always dad, the first place to go. Like, yeah. dad, I know I'm 24, but like, what do I do? Even though I've done this seven times. <laughs> I made so many claims. It's no, I know. That, no, no claims bonus in sight. No. We are not getting bonuses. Not at all. But this poor guy was like 17 oh, years old, him. gets out of his, well, I'm assuming, gets out of his truck and he looks like he's about to sort of burst into tears. And I was like, it's okay. Like, I'm too nice as well. I'm like, yeah. look, these things happen. It's absolutely this fine. This could have like, been your chance be... to be petty girl summer. Oh, but instead, there's just no way you can do that. No. We know what it's like to be on the I other know side. what it's like all too well. Anyway, so that was my week. Oh, what well, about you? Kind of on a similar vein to yours, my thing that describes of my week was full tummy because <laughs> I feel like I've been so yours is eat drive crash and mine's <laughs> just is full, full tummy. tummy so sort of in the same vein eat. yeah yeah like I have just so got up got back up to Tamaki Makoto like literally only a week ago and I have not been hungry once <laughs> and like I like I, there's just been so many events. Like Nando's comes into the office. My friend came up this weekend, and he's a massive foodie. And like, honestly, all we did was eat. And but to the point where it was no longer enjoyable. Yeah, to the point you know where what? you're like, all I want for dinner is bread and butter. Or like, no, a I don't want toast. anything. Yeah, like a piece of toast, and mostly because when I'm hungover, which I often am, <laughs> don't come for me. People on the other end of the newsletter sometimes are like, <laughs> Lucy, lay back. Anyway, um. Butter on toast is the hangover cure. It, it is. Bit but, of carbs, yeah. Oh, but honestly, like this week, I feel like I've just had a full tummy all week, which is amazing. It's amazing, but oh, I would love I mean, to get back to a place a where... It's a privilege to have a full tummy, Absolutely. Isn't it? But sometimes when the tummy's too full, it can be, a, you know, Oh, my God. Uncomfy. Like, I just want to get back to a point where I'm looking forward to cooking myself a meal. I know and, exactly and what it. you mean. Yeah, it's just over like, lockdown. No, I don't want to go out for dinner. Yeah. No, one, I can't afford it. Two... Two Absolutely not. I'm just full, so I'm yeah. not going to enjoy it. So, oh, I'm sorry that we've sort of burdened your ear holes <laughs> with like eat, drive, crash plus full tummy. But you know what? You just you're getting the real us, exactly, as opposed to the fake us that pretend that like everything's like pop culture and really exactly. highbrow. Pretends they can drive. <laughs> Pretends they can drive. Tamaki to Tamaki Makoto without crashing the car. But no. Anyway. And, and no. what world can we do that? Anyway, let me get into our first naughty or nice. So our first story, the first story I have for you, Olivia, is Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra have had a baby via a surrogate. Now, there's actually not a lot that we know about this story. Um, They both just posted like a black and white photo saying, we're overjoyed to confirm that we have welcomed a baby via surrogate. We respectfully ask for privacy during this special time as we focus on our family. And... 
Swallow Lucy. <laughs> and like right before this or in some interviews before this, they had sort of said like, you know, it, it's on the cards, but we don't have time for it. Like we can't mm. find time for it. You know, they'd never mm-hmm. said they weren't going to have a baby, but it was sort of like no one expected it. And then, I mean, like, congratulations, first of all. Go off. Yeah, like, for congrats. Sure. Another little Joe bro running around. Super cute. But really interestingly, like, I got a few um, messages or emails because I put this in the newsletter one day just as, like, a final thoughts link that was saying, like, can you please talk about the ethics of surrogate and being a surrogate mother? And when I tried to look this up in relation to Priyanka and Nick like I couldn't really find I know that a lot of people were alluding to like celebrities choosing to have babies via surrogates rather than naturally but I Mm -hmm. actually saw a lot of like really awful awful like dialogue about how if you have babies via a surrogate you are less connected to the baby or you've chosen to do so for selfish reasons and I'm like First of all, I'm not a mother, so there's a level of like removal from me even talking about this right now. But but I do think like we don't know what's going on in these people's lives. Like if you're referring to Kim Kardashian having some babies via surrogates, she also got really sick with preeclampsia when she was having giving birth yeah, like with North, which can be super dangerous. Yeah, and we I mean we one we don't know what's going on like with like their fertility. Never, oh. And also they don't owe it to us to explain every decision behind everything. They're literally just people I mean we say this often with with a following, but doesn't mean they owe us every insight and to their lives so I just I, especially their private private lives like yeah. how they want to conceive how a they want to have a baby and so I mean I know that people will have had conversations about adopting via having a surrogate and things like that and again it's not really for me to comment on because I don't know anything about these two and, and their lives but I just I thought that was an interesting part of the conversation was that the first was some of the first things I saw were super negative and really I was like why are we oh, even doing I this I just think some people are just not coming at it from an empathetic place at oh, all. Yeah. A lot of assumptions. A lot of assumptions. We don't know shit about yeah. their circumstance. Exactly. And and so I I put this in before um before even seeing any of the like dialogue around it. And like I thought it was a nice story because like, you know, good for them. Nice. So and and do you agree? Would you say this is a nice? I would say it's nice. And I would say it's naughty. The, of the of the people of the, sort of the Twitter trolls. Yeah, the Twitter I feel like trolls. We, we actually there's always, always at least one naughty or nice that's like nice of the thing, naughty of the all reaction of us to the thing. Yeah, exactly. My next naughty or nice, um, Australian children's group, the Wiggles, top Triple J's hottest one hundred. Now, Liv, you know who the Wiggles are. I absolutely know who the Wiggles Choo-choo, are. Chugga chugga, big red car, and uh, the hit. Fruit salad, yummy, yummy. Um, <laughs> the well-known the, hit. The yeah. well-known hit. Well, this was actually really cool, pretty wholesome. The Wiggles um, went on to Triple J and did a cover of Tame Impala's song Elephant, and they mixed it with fruit salad. Yeah, was this a while ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was like, yeah, I think it was in 2017. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then what's amazing about this, and um, first of all, it sounded really good, and we're going to put a clip in here. When it feels like an The cool thing about this is, like, first of all, 
it's the first time a cover has topped the hottest 100 on Triple J. Really? That first kind of shocks me yep. because I feel like Triple J is known for their covers. They do a lot of like versions. But yeah. I, get, I mean, like in the hottest 100, it's not just for their sort of covers. It's also like, I think like the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber's Stay got right. second. So it, totally. was, it was just the hottest songs right yeah. now. But this actually like trumped Tame Impala's like ranking Tame Impala with this song had only ever got to I think seventh, so like their cover of Tame Impala's song like overtook the original. And Honestly, I'm just like, go off. Wiggles. Yeah, if you were Tame Impala, I think you'd just be like, that is sensational. That's sick. Like, because that made me want to go listen to Elephant because I was yeah. like, because if the Wiggles sound this good doing it, yeah, how good's the actual the song? Yeah. So that's really nice. Love that. That's so nice. That's so That's, nice. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. This next story, not so nice. Now, this mm. is the one, and forgive me if it's under-researched. Forgive me if I'm a bit slower to get it out because it's literally just sort of broken. But Taylor Swift has responded to Damon Albarn's comments about her songwriting. So Damon Albarn, I I didn't know him by name, but as soon as I read a little bit about him, I was like, okay, I know this guy. So he not only was sort of the front man for Blur, like an old school rock band, um, he was also sort of the creative dude behind Gorillaz or the Gorillaz, who are like this kind of real, you guys know the Gorillaz, but a lot of people don't know how, it's one dude that's created like all these characters. Like if you've heard me talk about the Bored Ape Yacht Club on the shit show, then I feel like Gorillaz walked so that the Bored Apes could run. If that meant nothing to you, just disregard. Anyway, he said some things about Taylor Swift. So he had um, an interview with Michael Wood, who is a, the pop music critic from the LA Times, and they were talking about um, Damon and how his latest show is all on the piano, and it sort of started off like this part of the interview started off saying with Damon saying that it's quite hard to do a whole show only on the piano, and the interviewer goes, is it hard because it's so exposed? And Damon goes... You can't hide behind anything. You learn whether the songs are any good or whether they were popular at the time because of the sound and the attitude. It's a day of reckoning and one, to be honest, that not much modern music could withstand. So he's saying, like, not many modern musicians could, I guess, take either their old songs yeah, and play strip them it back down and it be fully just as good. Yeah. And then the interviewer was like, you think a lot of modern musicians are relying on sound and attitude? And then he goes, name me someone who's not. And then the interviewer again was mm. like, she may not be to your taste, but Taylor Swift is an excellent songwriter. And he just goes, she doesn't write her own songs. And then the interviewer says, of course she does. Co-writes some of them. And Damon says, that doesn't count. I know what co-writing is. Co-writing is very different to writing. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just saying there's a big difference between a songwriter and a songwriter who co-writes. Doesn't mean the outcome can't be really great. And some of the greatest singers, I mean, Ella Fitzgerald never wrote a song in her life. When I sing, I have to close my eyes and just be in there. I suppose I'm a traditionalist in that sense. A really interesting songwriter is Billie Eilish and her brother. I'm sorry, is that not co-writing? Like, a really interesting songwriter is Billie Eilish and her her brother. brother. I'm more attracted to that than to Taylor Swift. It's just darker, less endlessly upbeat, way more minor and odd. I think she's exceptional. So he's kind of like gone around in circles, name me one person in modern music who is writing their own songs and then goes to give an example himself. I know, of of, like 
a very obvious like co-writing ob- duo. Literally, like, everyone knows that Billy writes. Like, that's not something that you're like, oh, and by the way, like, so-and-so has... I know. And it's also like, music you knowledge. can not like Taylor Swift's music and you can critique Taylor Swift's music. You don't have to strip her of, of writing her own songs. No. You don't need to go that far. I mean, publicity, I'm sure, is going to be great on this article. This <laughs> is when it's just like, it makes me so confused how confidently people will speak on the record about things that they don't actually know that much about because if he knew that much about Taylor Swift had watched any videos you can see there's so much footage of her writing her own songs right I know like so he just obviously has just assumed a hell of a lot about her and we actually we spoke about we did a two-part series on Taylor Swift you've probably heard it but she wrote Speak Now all on her own for this very reason with Mm -hmm. no Mm co-writers just because she was like I need to show people I can do it yeah because as a woman in the industry sometimes you do have to take a few extra steps to show people you can do it she actually responded to this saying, Damon Albarn, I was such a big fan of yours until I saw this. I write all of my own songs. Your hot take is completely false and so damaging. You don't have to like my songs, but it's really fucked up to try and discredit my writing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then after that, P.S., I wrote this tweet all by myself, in case you were wondering. Like, mm-hmm. always having to, like, add, always. add a little bit more to be like, this is to me. To be believed. I can think my own things and, do my, and to be believed. You're right. Yeah. So I just think this story is fascinating because he is obviously, like, he's obviously been in the industry for so long. He will know things. He's allowed to have his opinions, but it's just like, I'm just like, you can have your opinions on the music without saying, Taylor Swift's not a songwriter. Yeah, and, like, that is what confuses me even more to the point, Mm -hmm. like, he would be someone, he's obviously been, like, hugely successful. He's been very creative. Mm. Like, you'd think people like that would have more grace in, like, understanding... And supporting other creators. And is there something to be said about, like, pitting one woman against another and his, like... Like, Taylor Swift I don't like, but Billie Eilish, yeah. Billie Eilish I do, because he's obviously seeing them in the same vein and then just saying Billie's a bit darker and a bit whatever. But it's like, that's... You can not discredit each other. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I know. So, that, that is... That's a naughty... Naughty, naughty, naughty story. Yeah, no, no, no. Taylor Swift must be that. sick of just like having to having to reiterate having over to re- and yeah. over. I mean, she wrote the song "The Man" basically about all of this. And I mean, we don't know. I mean, this is kind of probably not true. But me and Liv were talking before about how we think a lot about PR and how it's all just there's so much money in it, and it's like all about manipulation. And we don't know if maybe this is calculated. Like maybe. Taylor Swift, like, I'm not saying that this, she's told him to go and say that, but maybe there's a release coming for Taylor Swift and, like, she usually wouldn't comment back to something like this, but her team's like, well, now's a good time to comment back because this is coming and, you know, we don't know. I'm not saying in any way, shape or form. Good to read, good to read um, around these things and get a bit more context, but still, like, go off, Taylor. Like, yep, you rule. Like, fucking, just, ugh. I couldn't believe it when this came across my timeline. I was just like, luckily we have a podcast where we can dissect it. I know, it's quite fun. We can air these things out. I know. My last naughty or nice. And I'm bringing this in because just a little teaser for you all. Me and Liv are going to do something, whether it's two parts, one part, three parts, on um, Yay, formerly known as Kanye West's upcoming documentary, Genius, J-E-E-N, Y-U-H-S. Um, and so this story was, is kind of a bit of good 
background for us. So Yay just posted on Instagram um, a promotion for the documentary series, which is going to drop in Feb. And this is what he said in the Instagram caption. I'm going to say this very kindly for the last time. I must get final edit and approval on this doc before it releases. Open the edit room immediately so I can be in charge of my own image. Thank you in advance. And then that like passive aggressive smiley face. (laughs) And like... I was so, I wrote about this in the newsletter and I was so like, I was in a few minds about it because Mm -hmm. I was like, I get, yay, that you want to protect what could be your legacy and it's your life and you've got footage like from the start of your career and you want to see how it's portrayed. I'm also like a balanced documentary wouldn't really come from yay having creative control over the final edit. That was exactly my thought. I mean, yeah, like you don't want to, you'd hope that they would keep, you know, his opinion in mind, especially yeah. creatively, because he's so precious about how things are yeah. portrayed. He's so, well, and he's very obsessive about controlling his own narrative, which, like, again... Which hasn't bode well for him, well, I have to say. Well, yeah, it's just inherently very narcissistic, but we also know that he struggles with mental disorders and he's just... He is who he is for a number of reasons, and we do, like, sort of listen to him with a bit of grace... However, his um, documentary is actually directed by some of his really early collaborators, Clarence Cootie Simmons, and I might be saying this wrong, but Chike Ozar. And um, Simmons was recently was asked about Ye's lack of creative control on the project, and he apparently he told Ye like, "Dude, you have to trust me." And, yeah, right. And then he said, and and he did a hundred percent. Ye trusted uh-huh. him, and then. Um, he also added, mind you, when his team, yay, and the business people have gotten involved, of course, they're going to want to have their say. So it's like he does have these really trusted collaborators that are directing this because, like, you can't direct your own documentary and expect people no. to take it, like, fully seriously because that's just unless like, it's like propaganda. Exactly. Unless it's, like, yay presented by yay, like, yeah. very explicitly yeah. like you can't have yeah 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 so a silent hand in it i think this is good background because we're gonna do obviously there's so much to yay's life there's so many controversies and there's also so much he's added to art and music and you know sampling we've had a big chat about sampling versus interpolating and i probably wouldn't be able to make sense of that without like yay so we will do a series or something when this documentary releases because he's so interesting oh he's so interesting and i think he talks you know, he, he says a lot about what's going on at the time yeah, and also the evolution of celebrity and yeah. what it does, which actually feeds in quite well yeah. to the topic that, that we're going to get into today. Yes. First of all, was that naughty or nice? I don't actually know if it had a naughty or nice. Probably a bit naughty yeah. of him to sort of demand control and do the passive-aggressive thank you in advance. And so publicly, days. so he gets his fans, yes. like, backing him. And yeah. Yeah. But, like, nice that he's got a docker coming out because I'm kind of keen to watch it. So am I. I'm very intrigued. Very excited. Now, before we dive into the wonderful, weird, and actually really terrifying world of Jamie Lynn and Britney Spears... I think we better hear from our sponsors just before we get into the ad for Neon because Euphoria is on Neon and it comes out every week, like as soon as you need it. It comes out tonight it comes for out. us. I'm so excited. Anyway, not when you're listening, but when we're talking. <laughs> when we're talking. Sorry, guys. We've Sorry, that's that. more of a personal thing, not for you. <laughs> um just a content warning. The first episode specifically was quite gruesome. I mean, it pretty much mentions yeah. any theme, like drug-related the themes and violence. like violence, sex. Like it's, we do need to give a wee yeah. content warning, especially before we recommend it to you all. But you know, for now, let's get into our ad from our wonderful sponsors. 
Right, so we wouldn't be able to do this ad read, like I just mentioned before, um, without talking about the fact that Euphoria is back on our screens. Oh, we have been waiting a long time for this. I think like two years. I, I think they put, keep pushing it because of COVID. Like, oh, thank God it's back. I know. I mean, you saw, you actually got on this bandwagon before me, but me and Liv have both got like sparkly eye makeup, you know, for, the, for recreating those Euphoria looks. And Liv, have you seen all the memes about like their school uniforms or what they wear to school like versus what we fucking wore to school? Oh my God, yes. I know. Loose, I do believe that we also have a little note from Ruby, our third member, who's sort of the admin behind this podcast, um, about what she's been loving on Neon. Yeah, so Ruby has been obsessed with a show called The Great on Neon. She says that it's funny, it's horny, and she told me that me and Liv have to watch it, which means, by proxy, you all have to go and watch it too. Absolutely. So you can actually catch Euphoria Weekly or The Great or watch whatever else your heart desires on Neon with a 14-day trial. Yeah. It's our favourite New Zealand-based streaming service and it's the reason that Culture Vulture exists. We love you, Neon. Shot, Neon. Okay, Luz, we are getting into the sort of meat of this episode. Brittany, I don't want to say Brittany versus Jamie Lynn, but the whole, like, controversy... Did you say controversy or controversy? Okay, I actually asked the officers the other day and I say controversy, but today I see controversy... Sort of as a joke. Okay. So, well, I was listening to you say controversy and I was like, yeah, that's how I say it. And then now I've gone and said controversy. I know. That was well, strange. either way. Well, actually, no. Duncan, who was the only one who you guys would have heard on the Succession episode, he was the only one that in the room that said controversy. And then he did that typical thing where you Google it and you play it out loud, like, what's right, what's right? And it was controversy. And everyone else in the room was like, no, it's controversy. Like, put your Google away, man. Honestly. So, I mean, technically, maybe it's controversy. But, you know, around here, say it however you want. Okay, I'm going to go back to my roots and say controversy. Hell yeah. Um, So, yeah, we're kind of deep diving into this whole thing because it's been everywhere it's really all a bit gross. It I don't, is. Yeah. It's all a bit uncomfortable. And, like, we like to dive into celebrity when there's a bit more. And I think with this one, you've found that it's not about the story itself of, like you said before, Brittany versus Jamie. It's actually about this culture that they grew up in. This horrific celebrity culture back in the kind of 2010s, that peak tabloid, mm. you know, Everything Would that have even was... been 2010s or like 2000s? Yeah, well, 2000s Two, and then like... in 2008 was when she kind of did her circus yes, tour. But yeah, yes, probably 2000s, yeah. that actually growing up in that household. Like her and Justin. And, yeah. yeah. So where do you want to begin? What What's made us want to talk about this this week? It's probably so I think we'll begin with Jamie Lynn, who is she, yeah. for those of you who may not know. Great. Um, and, yeah, basically why are we talking about her? So Jamie Lynn Spears is the younger sister of Britney Spears, who I'm guessing we all Fair probably enough. are pretty familiar with by now. She was born in 1991, and um, she says she was actually an accident. Mm. Her brother Brian Spears was 14, and she was born when her sister Britney was 10. So she was, like... The baby of this family. And basically why we're talking about her is because she's just released a book called Things I Should Have Said. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of off the back of the whole 
free Britney oh, movement. Yeah. Like, definitely. I mean, completely off the back of it, but yeah. there's more to it, isn't there's there? There's a lot more to it. She's also just recently done the podcast Call Her Daddy, hosted by Alexandra Cooper, which she is like the first time we get a proper in depth interview from Jamie Lynn, and mm. it hasn't been received particularly well by the public. No, and and a lot of you probably you've probably heard of or you might know call her Daddy, and it's mm. usually a podcast that's like a bit raunchy and talks about like like owning your sex life and things like that. And also they get paid like I think sixty plus million dollars from Spotify to do it exclusively there. So it's really interesting. I think a lot of the sort of clap. Back, oh, is that what it's called? Backlash has been. Um, why are you now, like, sort of going away from your roots, which yeah. people are allowed to do? But like, it's just everyone's sort of capitalizing off of Jamie, who's capitalizing off of Britney. Who's, it's just it's like, sort of the whole situation is very confusing. The way they've gone about it is very confusing. The PR is a bit of a shit show. It's so that we talk about it, eh? And look at yeah. us, just swallowing look at us, it. yep, <laughs> dissecting it. Yeah. So, yeah, you may actually know Jamie Lynn as the title character from Nickelodeon Zoe 101. Were you Love, oh a my Zoe God, 101 fan? Huge Zoe 101 fan. Watched the um, reunion as well that they did where they did this episode. Like, they were all older. And, and um, didn't it end abruptly because she got pregnant? Well, that's what people say. But I think it was actually – it had wrapped up before Timeline, she got pregnant. Yeah, but okay. then people were sort of like, that's why it's not coming back. Mm. Don't know if that's true or not. True. Um, yeah, I never have seen Zoe 101. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, yeah. my God. So just really quickly, it's, it's like the dream when you're a kid. They all go to boarding school at PCA, Pacific Coast Academy, and it's like you and all your friends. <laughs> just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's just it's stored in the brain forever. It doesn't even want to entertain it. No, and it's just like imagine living at a boarding school. I mean – Obviously romanticised, yeah. but, like, with all your friends, it was co-ed, like, so far, and they just got up to mischief and went to the beach a lot anyway. Totally continue. love that. Yeah, so she began to play Zoe 101 when she was 14 years old, so very young. And then since then, she's done a few more acting gigs. She's released a bit of country music, and she's now 30 years old, the mother of two children, and she's very much found herself in the midst of Britney Spears' Um, conservatorship movement, the Free yeah. Britney movement. And not on the good side of And it. not on the good side, exactly. So, yeah, the book was released on the 18th of Jan, so it's very, very recent. Fresh. And so she's sort of doing her whole, like, PR circuit right now. So as we said, she's gone on Call Her Daddy. She has also had an interview with Good Morning America. Like, she's really getting it out there. Yeah. Um, which I guess goes with the book, Things I Should Have Said. She's trying to... She's trying say to, them? Yeah, say them. Exactly. Things I Should Have Said. Maybe nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you gotta, you got to make a buck. you got to yeah. make a buck. Yeah, I think making a buck was pretty high on the priority oh. list. Well, yeah. I mean, things she could have said could have been said in private. Yeah. So making a buck on the list. I'm not actually here to fully judge the shit out of her. Obviously, no. stand with Brittany, but there's a lot more that to goes honest, into it. To be honest, nor was I. I mean, if you think about how fucked up the family life, which we'll sort of get into, that Brittany grew up in, Jamie obviously grew up in the yeah. exact same household. So yeah. it's obviously going to So there were things have, she should have said. Yeah, going to have major repercussions for the both of them. So in the interview on Call Her Daddy, two-part series, yeah. um, the first part she talks about growing up in this kind of fucked-up household and the effect of fame on family life. Um, and then the second part really dives into Britney's conservatorship yeah. and the role that she did or perhaps didn't play. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think that's where we'll sort of take yeah, off from. Take off. So go we'll go yeah, go into the family dynamic because I think it's very important context for this whole conversation. So I think the main theme running through the book and the interview is that Jamie Lynn was very much seen and also saw herself as the baby of the family, someone with no control and very limited understanding of what was going on. She definitely paints herself in this light, and I Mm. think she capitalizes off of this narrative because, like, I would would tell you to all go listen to the interview. It's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, like, she seems nice enough, but you know that sort of, like, total lack of responsibility mm. and accountability mm-hmm. really shines through, and I think it's mainly kind of through this narrative of yep. her being the baby. Um, she describes a very chaotic family life growing up, saying that her father, who we've all probably heard quite a bit about, mm-hmm. Jamie Spears, was an alcoholic, um, and her mother was pretty, like, didn't have much of a backbone, and her main sort of focus was always more on Jamie the, the father oh, like yeah. than her kids it yeah. seems like yeah which I mean I haven't had an alcoholic partner and mm-hmm. I can assume that it is like you're constantly tossing up having to look after all of these people so I see like again you could go back and back and back and be like well where did this all begin and like you can see maybe why her focus was on Jamie the father instead of Jamie the kid, but it like doesn't excuse for sure any of what went on. Absolutely, but you can see how that would kind yeah. of cloud your yeah. entire sort of parenting yeah. world. Yeah, so um, Jamie Lynn seems to have found that quite frustrating. Yeah. And, like the whole time she says, I love my family, I love my family, mm. I love my sister, I'm her biggest support. Like, mm. are you? We don't know. Mm. Um, but like then kind of goes on to air out a lot of the dirty laundry Again, because she feels like she was the baby, she never had any control. She wants to voice yeah. all things she should have said. Yeah, the things she should have said. <laughs> yeah, so I think life really revolved around Britney's career because yeah. Britney was very young when she yeah. started. What was yeah. it, the Mickey Mouse? Oh, yeah, and the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah the, yeah. yeah, the Mickey Mouse Club and then... Clubhouse. Mickey Mouse Funhouse. Clubhouse. Something like that. Yeah, and then her relationship with JT mm-hmm. and just like being thrust into... I think we have to really think about fame in a different way because back in the 2000s, fame was just like you were either super famous or yeah. you weren't. It was no and there was nothing in between. No micro fame. No, sure. like, you know, people that got famous just by commenting on fame or probably there was, but it's like... Exactly. Yeah, the tabloids, the paparazzi. Like, I always think of that video of Amy Winehouse being followed by like hundreds of paparazzi, and it's just. It was different. It was super fame. Super fame. So, this is the household that they grew up in. And I think that, like, they weren't a particularly affluent family. So, Mm. Britney started, you know, basically funding their lives, which. I've heard them talking about being back home in Louisiana and, like, their childhood, like, small home and just paparazzi would just be outside all the time. Like, their their tiny, humble home maybe wasn't tiny, but, like, yeah, I don't think they were particularly affluent. So, naturally, Brittany came along and, like, was super talented and this just fucked with all their heads. Yeah, went for it. And so, yeah, basically she talks about her relationship with Brittany and – Obviously, she was her big sister, like 10 Mm. years older. They 
seemed to have quite a good relationship growing up and then throughout the fame she just kind of saw Britney deteriorate under the pressure and mm. under the management the mm-hmm. mismanagement and under you know the whole way that her family was operating um there were a few incidents that she recounted in the book um one that she experienced with Britney where Britney grabbed a knife and locked her um, and Jamie Lynn in a room together while repeatedly telling Jamie Lynn that she was scared. And Britney's um, disputed that. She claim. has disputed yeah. that claim. So then Britney came out on social media basically being like, that never happened. It's just all very weird. And yes. then, like, there was also an incident recounted where her mother hit her repeatedly with a handbag, creating, mm. like, bruising all around Jamie Lynn's neck. But then, like, Jamie Lynn will go to say, it's that classic thing where it's like, oh, you know, but I was a total brat to my mum. My mum mm. was under all of this pressure. And then Brittany came out to be like, she should have whacked you more or something. Yeah. Like, that. basically, it's just all... It's like chaotic family dynamics that should never Mm. have had to be aired to the public. No. And, like, unfortunately it has been because they fucked Britney Spears up, like, beyond Beyond. anything we've ever seen. So, like, now it is our business because this is happening to other people, not just celebrities. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's that's on the conservatorship, which, again, we won't really get into. We have an episode on that, but it's just – it's bigger now than just this famous family. It's like, well, who else is this happening to? Exactly, exactly. And then I think Jamie Lynn, the way that she sees that upbringing was that she was kind of to be seen and not heard, don't make a fuss because they're – all they cared about was Brittany. I think the management just had a huge say on everything that happened in that household as we will sort of get into. Mm. Um, and one of the more shocking stories was that when Jamie Lynn got pregnant at 16, it was insinuated by the people who ran the estate that they already had too much to deal with, like PR-wise, she should sort of just like take care of that issue in a sense, which she didn't. She ended up having the baby. She said that they didn't explicitly tell yeah. her to get an abortion, but... She could feel what they were meaning. Yeah, it's like it really came through that that's how she's felt her entire life. Just like your problems aren't valid. And your problems we don't want overtaking the height of Britney's fame. Exactly. But then like so she obviously has this kind of chip on her shoulder, right? And it's like, yeah, obviously you want your voice to be heard. But like this is just not the way to go about it. But then it's like they were brought up. They were brought up in such a dysfunctional family that how would they ever know how to... And, and I mean, like, this is the way that they all know how to make their livelihoods. Like, yes. they haven't done... Jamie Lynn, like, she went and was a child actor. She released a few songs or whatever. But she probably doesn't know how to make money in a normal nine-to-five. Like, there's a few ways when you've been in the Spears family to make money. And, like, this is how she's chosen to do it but like you can kind of see why what else was she going to do well that's the thing she's going to fund her kids yeah and they fund these extravagant lifestyles so celebrities need a whole lot more money than the average person right and like we're the ones buying it Mm -hmm. like as bad as that sounds like Jamie Lynch and not have just fucking eared out Britney in this book but like then the consumers are also at play a little bit because if, if this book goes to like top of the charts or whatever then it's just like saying, yeah, keep doing this. Exactly, and then we're having our part to play here by, you know, having a whole episode about it. But we do think that it's, uh, I think the value in this discussion isn't, as we said, like the kind of drama between the sisters. It's about how awful it can be for celebrities and people in the public eye that just get controlled by the people around them. Mm. And, you know, we need to know about this shit so that we can make sure it doesn't happen to other people. Yeah, and also that one person's fame affects more than just the one person. Oh, like, it's just or the one ripple person's, effect. Like, Britney's conservatorship, like, 
That's like the most fucked up thing to have happened in like pop culture. I think like I don't want to say ever, but seriously, seriously, seriously fucked up. up. And just like anything surrounding this, I think deserves a bit of ear time because it's just like this cannot be happening. And why did it take us so long? Like the Britney Spans, the Britney Stans were the ones that had to like push this movement Mm -hmm. forward. They knew from the get go, and it's like fuck, someone else should have been doing that, not the fans. And it just makes you wonder what else is going on. Exactly. You know, in this whole huge celebrity world. I know. Where money and fame and publicity just, like, rule the roost and it creates this awful toxic environment. I mean, not And we all buy it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And also the way that Jamie Lynn talks about her father, Jamie, is really interesting as she doesn't seem to hold him to that same sort of, like, evil mastermind status that he's been depicted in the media and the Free Britney movement. Um, She kind of, like, says that – she doesn't say that he's a nice guy, but she kind of talks about him not being clever enough to have come up with the conservatorship by himself. So saying that someone else is basically pulling the strings. Yeah, exactly, which we, like – I don't know what the hell is true. That kind of goes against what the court transcripts have. And, the and terms... we're not in any position to be going against like the... Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Just in terms of like how much he didn't yeah. want to step aside. And she said that he kind of was willing to step aside. Yeah. But... I mean, either way, it's fucked because he was making a shit ton of money off of literally drugging his daughter and making... Oh. Like, you know, even if someone else was the one saying, this is an idea... The man still did it. The man still did it. But the person that could have been behind the idea is a woman called Louise or Lou Taylor. So Lou Taylor is the CEO of what was in 2008 quite a small Tennessee-based company called TriStar Sports and Entertainment Group, Um, sort of like a management company, right? Mm -hmm. So it turns out that a month before, or some articles even say a couple days before, Brittany was placed into a conservatorship. Her dad, Jamie Spears, had borrowed money from the company that Lou Taylor ran. So he Mm, was in debt, Mm -hmm. right? And then not soon after this, Brittany was sent by her father on, so then she was under the conservatorship, and then she was sent by her father on a 97-show world tour, and who did her father hire to manage this tour Mm. but TriStar, the company that Lou Taylor owned. and He owed money to. Yeah, at this point he still owed them at least $40,000. Yeah. Um, So then basically TriStar made a shitload of money off of Britney over the next, like, decade or however long. Um, I guess that, you know, most management companies do make a lot of money off of their clients. But this situation was so incredibly different because there was a conservatorship at hand. Yeah, and it started, like... Because he was in debt to them. So basically, yeah. imagine the like chokehold they would have had on the terms of that agreement. Right. Like, if he already owed them money, then I'm sure that they would have like had all the leverage in the contract Honestly, there. imagine the contracts. No. So fucked up. So yeah, basically, the conservatorship was controlled by her dad, who then owed money to TriStar, so who was in control, really? And then over the next decade, Lou Taylor's business grew dramatically, and she became one of the most sought-after managers in entertainment. She managed the likes of like Kim Kardashian. Oh, yeah. So oh she God, was okay. like kind of top 
yeah. tier manager. And the New York Times have just done like quite, quite an expose, yeah. would you say, on mm-hmm. um, Lou Taylor, if you do want to go and read that. It's yeah. crazy find. It is. It's a really good article. And actually in that article, um, they talk about how Lou Taylor was benefiting from Britney's conservatorship, like not even just financially, but in so many other ways to get oh, an upper hand in the industry. Exactly. Right? I mean, she's got Kim Kardashian because Britney went yeah. so... I mean, I want to say well, but not well for Britney. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So even um, she was even having like her personal legal fees paid for by Britney's estate. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> horrifically, in 2010, tens of thousands of dollars went to a Christian counselling group, a charitable foundation that Lou Taylor was tied to. And this group's founder had previously boasted that the group helped people abandon lesbianism. Oh, so it was basically a conversion therapy counselling Basically, group. and, you know... Britney was quite an icon in the... Oh, LGBTQ space. Yeah. Like, Britney's a fucking icon. It's just like... Oh. It's just all so, so, so fucked up. And, like, obviously the lawyers defending Jamie Spears and Lou Taylor say that they worked to just benefit Britney and they didn't, you know, work for personal gain. But, yeah. I mean, it just sounds like someone who was really vulnerable was totally taken. Yeah. Um, Basically the narrative of this entire this story, right? Exactly. So... From my understanding, before Lou Taylor worked for Britney, she first worked as a business manager for Jamie Lynn. So their business relationship began in 2004, and allegedly when Jamie Lynn became pregnant, Lou Taylor, who's a devout Christian, suggested sending Jamie Lynn to a faith-based residential facility. So, like, all quite scary stuff. Yeah. But the fucked up thing... Is that Lou Taylor is still Jamie Lynn's manager. Yeah, and this is where, like, I mean, we've been really good at giving benefit of the doubt the whole time, and and we still will to a degree, but, like, you've seen, like, what this woman believes in, for one, has done to your family, or done to or done with your family, but at least done to Britney for two, and, like, She's still your manager, so, like, how much of what Jamie Lynn's saying now is controlled by, again, Lou Taylor still breathing down your neck? Yeah, absolutely. It just is, like, from Jamie Lynn's – well, from our perspective to Jamie Lynn, it's like, how the fuck could you still be in cahoots with someone Mm. and have them managing your financial – And I think that's what a lot of people, especially after all, like, the stuff about Lou Taylor was uncovered, lots of people are just thinking, like, Jamie Lynn, like – this is, like, the last straw, or, like, not the last straw, the book's probably the last straw, but, like, just, yeah, I agree, Liv. How could you You say you love your sister, but... How the fuck? And so wasn't the Good Morning America interview based in Lou Taylor's home? Yeah, that's what I have heard to be rumoured. I know. Yeah, I'm not, like, 100% sure about that information, but that's definitely something going on. Also, something that's circulating the internet is that... It's either Call Her Daddy is followed by Lou Taylor or mm. the other way around. Mm-hmm. So they, they have obviously yeah. been in communications about this interview. Yeah. So it's just like, who the fuck is actually Like, does Jamie Lynn even want to be releasing this book? Right. Like, probably. Like, she'll make money off of it. But, but like, she might also be in debt. Like, she who might the hell also... knows? And this might be her only... She has kids. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's I know. just so many theories. See, that Lou Taylor thing adds a whole other element to, like... Who is controlling any of this? And also just like, why is this even happening? And the whole Lou Taylor thing has only just sort of come to light. Yeah, Like, in a lot of the podcasts that I listened to about the conservatorship, she wasn't even mentioned. I know. So this is what's really scary. Also, 
One, Lou Taylor apparently suggested to Lindsay Lohan's mother to place Lindsay in a conservatorship. And it's like that was a chic thing to do. Yeah, like what the fuck? And Brittany has also accused Lou Taylor and her father Jamie of having a romantic relationship oh and like God. charging all of their personal holiday expenses to Brittany's estate. Like all of this fucked up shit. The webs. The, the webs. webs, love. The webs. Yeah, so that's obviously probably the tip of the iceberg of Lou Taylor's role in Britney's conservatorship. So I think now we should talk about Jamie Lynn's role in Britney's conservatorship. So Jamie Lynn has been accused by many followers of the Free Britney movement of either being a part of the conservatorship, like actually kind of controlling some of Britney's estate. Yeah. Or also not doing anything in regards to like help her sister. Yeah. So in this interview and call her daddy in the second part when she talks all about this. Jamie Lynn rejects that she has been involved in the conservatorship at all, saying that Brittany asked her to make sure that her boys got what they needed, but then when she went to, like, sign the whole thing, it all sounded pretty complicated, like, Mm -hmm. legal jargon and everything, but when she went to sign the thing and, like, sort of realised what she was signing into, she said no. Mm. So she, like, very much says, I am not a part of controlling Brittany's estate. Um, And then for the argument that she didn't do anything to help, she says that she did what she could and tried to open doors for her sister, but that it was Brittany that needed to walk through those doors. Oh, kind of victim blamey of Brittany there. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, exactly. And like saying things like, she told Brittany, if Brittany moved state, this whole thing wouldn't be legally binding and she'd be able to leave the conservatorship. But it's like, if it was that easy, surely not. And she just kept saying this the whole time. She then goes on to read out some really long texts that she sent to her sister, kind of like trying to show receipts that she was helping Brittany. Like, oh my God, massively earing out. Oh my God. And bear in mind, this whole thing started in 2008. I mean, one thing that is true is in 2008, that was around about the time that Jamie Lynn was 16. She got pregnant. Yeah. She had other things on her mind, right? Like, yeah. she, that's, you know, fair yeah. enough. That would be a pretty tough situation to be in. Um, also, she just says that her parents just never told her anything. She couldn't get proper information. Like, yeah. to a point, I believe that. Yeah. But it's like, then you grow then you up. Grow, yeah. You have the internet. You Like, you know, yeah. you have the resources. Access, you could ring a lawyer. You could, yeah. Totally. Or your sister. Yeah. And so she goes on t- to read out these texts. Um, and it, the texts sort of slam a guy called Samuel D. Ingham III, <laughs> um, <laughs> who was Britney's former lawyer. Also kind of slams their mother, Lynn, um, but then was less harsh towards her father, saying that he would be willing to step aside. And as I said before, compared to the court transcripts, that just, like, doesn't fit Mm, their narrative. Mm. Yeah. Um, And some Free Britney fans demanded for the Call Her Daddy podcast to, like, be cancelled due to her ties with Lou Taylor that they didn't even bring up. Yeah. Well, so, and, and it's just back to when you were saying that um, there's obviously arguments that Jamie Lynn didn't do enough for mm-hmm. the conservatorship. Like, I think that's actually such a fair argument to make because if she's now coming out and using her voice really big on every platform she can get her hand, hands on, yeah. there's nothing to say that she couldn't have done that, used every platform she could get her hands on to help with the movement to free her damn sister. A hundred percent. Like, my take on this whole situation was, like, 
you know, the context of their childhood and feeling like she, everything revolved around Britney and she yeah. never had a voice and whatever. I feel like that has just majorly impacted the way that she's dealt with this whole situation. Yes. Because, you know, when you have all of that unpacked sort of like family trauma and you yeah. have all of these chips on your shoulders and it's like she couldn't look past that. Mm. And that's help. such a good way yeah. of looking at it because it's like, this is the context as to why. It's not just being like, Jamie's attacking Britney. No. It's like, no, all of this led to her doing something that is still not a good thing to yeah. do, but like, so true. Looking because, further. Yeah, family dynamics, how they change the way that you view the world. And if she's constantly kind of in this sort of self-victimization narrative and she's like well I've done what I can to help her it's not my responsibility it's not my life like now let me hero my own story yeah because I've never been able to do that before and I'm not the villain but I also need she kept saying I need to protect myself I need to protect myself and like I understand that in a sense because also protect yourself from what like, yeah. you know, like, you could actually this go... This is actually doing the opposite. Yes. Like, I'm sure there are ways that she is making money or her partner or whatever. I'm sure she could go and live quite a normal-ish life mm-hmm. under the radar because no one cares that much unless you make them care, which is what she's done with the book and the interviews and blah, blah, blah. For sure. That's the thing. Yeah. But I think your mind would just be so when twisted by fame. the fame and yeah. the money and the power and that's all you've known. Yeah. I think also just, I mean, I only have... I have learnt most of what I've learnt because of you today telling me, which is always my favourite way for us to do the podcast. The one thing that I did see was that, like... She said that she really, like in interviews and stuff, she said that she didn't want to comment on Britney and she didn't want to make this about Britney. And like she, but then like she literally, I saw an article that said um, she mentioned Britney 315 times in the book and like no one would be reading the book without Britney. And you said that she was paranoid and spiraling and erratic. And you use use these like really intense ways of describing her. Yeah, quite exposing experiences as well. Yeah, that like those two, I just think you did not need to say that you weren't making this about Britney because everyone knew you were. Because it's impossible not to make it about Britney. I know. Because you, you are have you are via. Via Britney. And that's obviously the issue in your life, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, basically Britney was not happy at all with Jamie Lynn's book or the Call Her Daddy interview. She actually issued a cease and desist mm. letter to Jamie Lynn with, um, according to Rolling Stone, Brittany, Brittany's lawyer cautioning that they won't hesitate to file a lawsuit if the younger sibling keeps talking about her derogatorily yeah. um, during her promotional campaign for her new book. Um, these are some excerpts from the letter. So this lawyer has said, we will write with some hesitation because the last thing Brittany wants is to bring more attention to your ill-time book and its misleading or outrageous claims against her. Like, yes, but then also have you seen Brittany's Instagram and tweets? Mm. Like, like they're reactionary. They're my reactionary. Only, my I know, only, they like, are reactionary. I mean, also, they're still up there. But. Yeah, they're... Um, like, her social media presence has been, like, from the time she went into that conservatorship and, like, I don't know if it was the drugs that she was put on or just, you know, you're being trapped inside. And her being brain totally has been traumatized by completely. this whole experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean... I, I know what you're saying. I actually did see someone, um, a lawyer, someone that translated her um, long spiels on Instagram in a Louisiana accent and read it and was like, it makes sense if you read it like a person from the South would read it. And they Mm. read it out and I was like, because it was like half comedy but half like serious. And they read it out with all the like Southern drawl and shit like that. And 
it made sense, even the punctuation she'd used in a southern accent, but did not translate. Yeah. It was also, it's like full of emojis and like all this Full of emojis and like three exclamation marks after every sentence. And yeah. I mean, a hypocrite because that's exactly, that is exactly the way that I write. No, it's not. Well, okay. The way that we've said full of emojis and like three exclamations after every um, sentence. But yeah, like I I know what you're saying. They don't read like um, someone that is in their complete right mind when saying them, but she would have just been reacting. I mean, yeah, super angry as well. Like, yes, definitely. I mean, we actually just, no one knows, right? So... Basically, yeah, that's what he said, that she didn't want to bring any more attention to it. And then although Brittany has not read and does not intend to read your book, she and millions of her fans were shocked to see how you have exploited her for monetary gain. I don't think we can say that this that there's no monetary gain involved oh, yeah. in this. Like, I think It's that, pretty much the easiest take you could, like, the least hot take you can take, Yeah, the easiest exactly, take you can exactly. Make. Like, it's quite a two-dimensional take, yeah. but it's definitely still a oh, take. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. For sure. Um, he also goes on to say that you of all people know the abuse and wrongdoing Brittany had to endure during the conservatorship after initially growing up with a ruinous alcoholic father. In fact, your own book reportedly states that your father spent most of my life in that cycle of ruinous behavior. His bouts of drinking caused me periods of torment and sorrow. Um, Yeah, basically, then this lid is pretty long, just goes on sort of explaining. Stop saying what you're saying. Stop saying what you're saying or we'll come to you, basically with legal action yeah Brittany also took to social media as we talked about there's a few tweets there's a few long Instagram posts that you can I mean some of them are calling Jamie Lynn a selfish little brat she (laughs) she sort of like starts on that tangent and then sometimes finishes but I love you Uh, and will always love you and I'm sorry sort of thing but I should have slapped you but But I should have slapped you and my mum should have beat you harder with the handbag yeah it's all just very it's it's there for the world to see you can all probably go and make your own it's very explicit so yeah go and have a look at those if you want to see more of Brittany's reaction towards mm. everything going on with Jamie Lynn. So, yeah, Luce, that wow. is basically where we're at with this whole What a huge, drama. a huge story. And I really appreciate the way that you've researched it because I think the only thing that I was seeing was Jamie Lynn's such a snake. She's capitalizing on this and not enough of people being like, yeah. What are the millions of factors that led to her doing this? Who else was at play? Like, the Lou Taylor stuff, fascinating. So fascinating, yeah. We don't even know whether what she's saying is what she wants to be saying. Mm -hmm. We also all know that when you grow up in a family, you always see things through quite a different lens to your siblings. Um, So There's just a lot. There's a lot going on, and obviously the absolute tragedy is the whole conservatorship Conservatorship and how it has been completely abused yeah i think always at the end of the day that's the most like traumatizing and fascinating part of the story yeah regardless of all these other sort of characters that we've seen and just as long like thank god britney's out of it and this book shit will blow over and hopefully they can i don't know decide to go under the radar a bit more Uh, yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens i think speaking of under the radar what's on your radar this Love week. that. Just, wait, wait, I'm just like, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> it's too much, it's too much. Um, on my radar, two Lily James things. Oh, okay. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society book that Ruby gave me for 
Christmas. Christmas. I haven't actually started reading it yet, but so it's I'm on gonna, your radar. Yeah, it's on my radar. I'm going to try and start mine. reading it. Yes, yes. And then also, I saw that Lily James is in a. It's going to be like a mini series, I think, um, called Pam and Tommy, oh. which is all about Pamela, Pamela Anderson. Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape in the '90s, and it looks really amazing. But she, they've made her look so much like Pamela Anderson. Like it doesn't look like Lily James at Whoa. all. I would recommend going and watching the trailer. Like I think, like whoever's yeah. in like the fucking costuming and makeup. Um, I read a really, job. I read a really good article about that. I haven't seen it yet. Want to see it? But it's saying that like Pamela Anderson essentially was the Kim Kardashian of that mm-hmm. era, and it was like so amazing. The article it like listed the ways they were similar, or the way that Pam set like the tone, the tone. Of how Kim's life sort of went. It's yeah, real also, interesting. But I have also seen. I haven't really looked into this, which I should at some point, but before I watch it, actually, mm-hmm. that Pamela Anderson, I think, might be averse to this coming out. Oh, my goodness. We should look into that. Yeah, so I'm not totally sure. Read that really quickly somewhere. But maybe go and do your research, everyone, before you watch it. Just, yeah. I've got a joint on my radar from us. So me and Liv have watched this, like, the most amazing film. It's called The Fallout. And it's about, like, it starts off with a tragedy that happens at a school. and But it's, like, what I love about it is it doesn't focus on what happens at the school. It's, like, how these teenagers deal with, like, trauma and grief and loss and emotions and live. They do such a good job, eh? Oh, they do such a good job. I think this film was done really, really well. It wasn't too overdramatic. Um, they spoke in the way that teenagers speak. Yeah. Like, Gina Ortega, who plays the, like, main character, is fucking incredible. And so's Maddie Ziegler. Very, very good. I know, which I, I hate to say that I was surprised at. When you ever see Whenever you see someone coming from social media or, like, dancing – into acting, you're always a bit like, how's this going to go? You but can carry on. Some, yeah, I know what you mean. And, yeah, I think it was great. I thought that the sort of candid way that they did everything and the way that they went into the mental health struggle and yeah. the trauma. And it's like they didn't on. make it, like, because it's directed by, like, a, a young director called Megan Park, I think, and, and it, they didn't make it seem like it was mental health like for teenagers but what an adult thinks it is they made it like nah this is like what teenagers are actually thinking and feeling it's not like it's not like you're just dark as and you can't get out of bed all the time it's like sometimes you turn to other weird things that manifest in weird ways I think this film which is coming out on the 27th of January like you should go and watch it it's just it's beautiful yeah it is it totally is would definitely recommend on my radar as well is the final of Yellow Jackets. Have you heard about Ooh, Yellow Jackets? Yes, I've seen it everywhere. Oh, it's all over Vulture, Vulture and everywhere. Every, everywhere, Vulture, Vulture and, and probably other places too. It's on Neon, which obviously we work with Neon. We love Neon. So easy and like it's just so – this. I don't know what's so good about it. It's kind of scary. It's about like a group of teenage girls in a football team called the Yellow Jackets who – crash are they in a plane crash and it sort of flash flashes between what life was like for them when they were on this like abandoned island versus what life's like for them now or the surviving ones and i mean i don't think this is a spoiler that there's like a bit of cannibalism that goes on oh my god it's like lord of the flies yeah it's sort of like lord of the flies mixed with lost sort of interesting like lord of the flies and 
yellow jackets. Yellow jackets. Because that's are bees. A, yeah. Buzz, I know. Mm. There's a whole lot of buzz around it too. So yellow <laughs> jackets, I need to watch the final of that. Also, Euphoria, I need to catch up on that. I'm an oh, episode behind. I watched that, watch that last night. night. Oh, Amazing. Like sensational. I just, and they've filmed it in film, like film camera sort of vibe, um, which is just like gorgeous yeah yeah i mean you guys know we love euphoria in fact there will be an episode on euphoria at some point again you can watch these on neon also i've just started listening to a podcast maintenance phase so it's on my radar because i've just started listening to it you recommended that in the newsletter i know it is honestly amazing so it's by aubrey gordon who writes under a pseudonym your fat friend but she's obviously She doesn't need that fake name anymore because people know who she is. And Michael Hobbs from the You're Wrong About podcast, who's just the most amazing researcher I've ever met. Met? The most amazing researcher I've ever, like, wished to meet that I've (laughs) ever heard. Aside from you, Liv, you're pretty good too. Oh, yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, And they basically, they are going through and debunking all the being overweight equals health, like, misinformation that we've heard throughout Mm -hmm. our whole lives like I've just listened to an episode on um the presidential fitness test and how that was put in in American schools like having to do pull-ups and rope climbs and shit like that to essentially really low-key get Americans ready for the military because it was around the time of the space race versus like the Soviet Union and the US and it was like Americans are not gonna beat anyone else if we're overweight so let's like shame these kids into like doing these like like the beep test and like doing them in front of everyone but like literally but you don't practice them to then go and get better to do it next year it's literally just a blatant like you're not fit you should be embarrassed like do it in front of everyone the beep test was actually the worst day of the year it just reminded me of that it's like and you don't train for it so it's like you're just throwing these kids under the bus and it puts people off exercise for their their whole it's traumatizing there's also a really good one on the bmi the body mass index and why that's not such bullshit and just like about concern trolling and how you don't know anyone's health like by looking at them and honestly I don't know why it's taking me so long well probably because I actually don't really listen to shit about the health yeah I was gonna say it was quite a unique recommendation for you in the sense of I've never really heard about you hearing about the health industry I know I think it's because this research is just so good like and and I'm interested in this shit and after us talking about the Kardashians last week and like body image and I'm so like fuck this is actually fucked so go and listen to maintenance phase Liv, I'm sweating. I'm sweating I'm too. Like, I'm sort of getting a bit like, okay, yep, okay, good. Okay, we've Let's. done a great job. And uh, you guys can let us know that we've done a great job by rating us on Spotify or rating us on Apple Podcasts. Finishing the podcast just how we started. Yep, this is going to be a wonderful podcast. Yep. We have done such a great job. We have job. done a wonderful job. Oh, we'll just, you know, it's been amazing. Um, Liv, have loved it. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Tiahe Butler. Always. We love him. Thank you to all of you for listening. Subscribe to my news listen to the shit show that was the fastest wrap up I've ever heard you do but yeah I'm sweating have a lovely week our angels Bye. bye